Great. A very good morning, everyone. It's uh, lovely to see you. Boom. Echoey. Great. Shall I keep talking while we hear that? Anyway, do you, as Mark was saying, great. Do just turn up on Wednesday, but please do sign up. <laughs> okay, like it's not a ticket system. It just would really help to make sure we have enough food and chairs for everyone. So even on the day, if you're like, oh yeah, I can now come and I can bring somebody, um, just quickly fill in the form if you are able to. That would just be helpful for our, our planning purposes. Great. Thanks, guys. Well done. Let me pray as we uh, think about these wonderful, wonderful words. Father God, thank you so much for this book of John, for all that it reveals of the Lord Jesus and the life he brings. And Father, please would you do just that today. Please, Father, would you show us uh, this life, how we can get it. And please would you help us to respond to what we hear rightly. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, well, we all have, you know, those, those everyday worries, don't we? Ah, where are the car keys? The kind of, why today is the train delayed when I'm running late? My back's killing me. All these things. But we all have these everyday troubles and concerns and, 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 the, and the like. But sometimes there are things that happen to us that just shake, seem to shake the grounds beneath us. You might get a call from the doctor or a loved one dies, the company you work for goes bankrupt, nuclear powers start posturing. In those times, our hearts can be troubled, deeply shaken. What do we do in those moments when our hearts tremble? Well, in our passage today, that was the case for Jesus' disciples. Their hearts were shuddering. But Jesus told them what to do. And like he always does, he didn't just tell them what to do, but he told them why to do it and how they could do it. And the solution that Jesus gives is for troubled hearts. We're currently doing this little mini-series, Life, exploring the life that Jesus offers and, and how it is that we can come to this life and experience it and know it for ourselves. And we've picked, uh, I'm picking different chunks of John, but, but as we're doing so, we're always addressing this topic because John himself tells us why he writes this book, this gospel. He says that these things, this whole book, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is John's aim right through the gospel, to show us Jesus, that we would believe in Jesus, and that we would have life. And so we're just jumping into a few little spots and then um, over, as Easter nears, we'll kind of follow the, the Easter story uh, as well. Because of course it is by Jesus' death and resurrection that he brings this life. But today we're picking up in, in John 13 with Jesus and his disciples on, on a Thursday. Not, ju not just any Thursday, it's the Thursday before Good Friday. The day before Jesus is going to go to the cross and Jesus is having a meal with his disciples. But it's not a party. Okay, the, the tone has been somber. It's been troubling. 
And so Jesus says to him in chapter 14, verse 1, he says, look, let not your hearts be troubled. Here's the first point, and you said on your sheets there that we're going to explore, is their hearts were troubled. The reason he had to say, let not your hearts be troubled, is because their hearts were troubled. And as I alluded to, that word for troubled is is kind of the word for shudder or shake, kind of like an earthquake. They're not just a bit confused or a bit upset. No, they are in a real state of turmoil. Why? Why? What has brought them to this? Well, during this meal, Jesus had said some very disturbing things. Um, so just look back just before um, the, the words that we read. But chapter um, 13, verse 21. 13, 21. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled... He was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Okay, this is bombshell number one. He's sat around a table with 12 people, 12 of his closest friends and co-workers, 12 people who have been with him for three years, following him around, listening to him, learning from him, serving him. And Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. Not just one of the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders who have been kind of against me that all along know one of you, my closest friends. And I can imagine, you know, the, the disciples kind of looking side to side, trying not to look, but like, not one of us. Me? Not me, not him. Not... But then, so that's bombshell number one. One of you is going to betray me. But then just before, literally just before the the words that we read today, um, Jesus says that he is going to go from his disciples. He's leaving them. And then verse 36, where we started, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterwards. Here's bombshell number two. Jesus says, I'm going. I'm going. And at least for now, you can't come with me. And again, think about what a huge statement that would have been for the disciples. These disciples had left everything, left friends, family, jobs, businesses. They'd left it all to follow Jesus. And now Jesus says, I'm leaving you. You're leaving? And you're saying we can't come too? After all that we've given up? Three years? And you're going. Now what? Everything that their life has been about for these past three years is about to come to an end, they think. And Peter, in typical Peter style, jumps in, verse 37. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay my life down for you. You see, Peter seems to understand that Jesus is going, he is referring to him dying. Because his impulsive, no, no, look, I will die for you. Look, I'll die for you if it means that you don't have to go away, if you can stay. It's well meant, isn't it, of Peter? But he's clearly not got it. Because as we'll soon see, that it is Jesus going, in his going, will mean ultimately good for his disciples. And do you remember what we saw last week, if you're here? 
We saw that it's the shepherd, the good shepherd, who lays his life down for the sheep. Not the sheep who lay down their life for the shepherds. You see, actually, Jesus, by laying his life down, brings life. Peter says, I'll lay my life down for you. But, verse 38, Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the cock will not crow till you have denied me three times. Here's bombshell number three. Bombshell number one, that one of you is going to betray me. Bombshell number two is I'm going. Bombshell number three, no, Peter, you won't lay your life down for me. In fact, you're going to betray me. You're going to deny me. Sorry, you're not going to betray me. You're going to deny me. Not once, not twice, three times. Three times you're going to deny even knowing me. Even Peter who's kind of one of, like the leader of the disciples, one of the inner circle, even he is going to deny Jesus. And if he is going to do that, well, what chance do the rest of them have? And in fact, we don't hear, we don't hear as readers, Peter speaking again until, yes, indeed, he denies Jesus before a servant girl. Three bombshells, and their hearts are troubled. I mentioned in my introduction some of the things that can trouble our hearts, whether it's um, huge things going on in the world or personal tragedies. But Jesus says to us today, let not your hearts be troubled. In just a moment, he'll tell us how and why. But before we do that, I want us just to think back uh, to one specific thing that can trouble our hearts. Because I want to just, what did he say literally just before he said that? Because remember, John didn't write these chapter breakdowns, so he didn't put a big 15, a big 14 here. And he didn't write, okay, this is a, I am the way, the truth, and the life section. So, so we're meant just to kind of read it going through. So, so let me do that. Let me read from just 38 again. Jesus answered, truly, sorry, Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the cock will not crow until you have denied me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. Just think of the state of Peter's heart. I am an almighty failure. I am going to let Jesus down. At his darkest hour, his moment of greatest need, as it were, I am going to deny him. I'm going to deny even know him. I am worthy of nothing from Jesus. I'm not worthy of life, the life that he brings. And isn't that the case ultimately for us all? You know, self-dependence or self-confidence is our natural state as humans. Like Peter, I think all too often we think, yeah, yeah, of course I'm good enough for Jesus. But all of us, even Christians, let Jesus down again and again. You know, our commitment to him crumbles at the first sign of hardship. We fail to be faithful. You know, and so when somebody turns down an invitation to an Impassion for Life event, well, I don't dare speak of Jesus to them, not for a good six months at least. When things go wrong and our hearts are troubled, we might pray less and less. Think, okay, I can indulge in that sin 
shutting Jesus out of that part of our lives. And that's Christians. And if you're not a Christian, well, I hope you can see that everyone, including very much including myself, no one is good enough for Jesus. No one is an unchanging, faithful friend. No one is worthy of the life that he brings. And in one sense, our hearts should be troubled by that. They should be troubled by that. Sometimes our hearts should be troubled more than they are. But our hearts shouldn't stay troubled. Not even because of our unworthiness. Here's we move into the second half here. Well, troubled hearts trust Jesus. What's the solution for troubled hearts? It is trusting Jesus. Be it for, our, be it for seeing our own unworthiness or, or any other reason, Jesus says, verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. An incredible statement of Jesus of his divinity. He's, he's saying, look, you, you believe in God. Believe in me too. When you believe in God, you believe in me. Now, there are three ways. You see the little footnote. There are three ways legitimately this little phrase could be translated. Okay, so it could be, believe in God, believe also in me. Or it could be, you believe in God, you also believe in me. So it's kind of, it could be saying, you should do it. It could be saying, you're already doing it. Or it could be half and half. It could be, you believe in God, also believe in me. It can be legitimately translated all of those ways. I think this one is probably the right one, this kind of double command. And the reason I think that is because, in a sense, yes, the, the disciples, they do believe in God, and they do believe in Jesus. They, they've been following him. But here in this moment of troubled heart, they're not believing in him. They're troubled now, you've also noticed I've used the word trust rather than believe. Again, it can be translated either way. The reason I'm doing that is because believe can, could be understood as just being a kind of a, a knowledge thing. I believe that there is a God. Now, it means more than that, but it could be understood that way. Whereas trust, the word itself, shows it's not less than that, but it's more as well. It's this active dependence as well. So Jesus says that don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Actively depend on him. Actively depend on me too. Jesus says the the solution for troubled hearts is to trust God, to trust Jesus. It is to say, yes, I know I let Jesus down again and again, that I am unworthy of him. But he has done everything necessary to bring me life. That's the solution for troubled hearts. It is to say that things are wildly out of my control. My heart is trembling, but I know that I can trust Jesus in and with this situation. Troubled hearts trust Jesus. And as I said, Jesus always gives us reasons why it is that we can and should do that. And here he gives us three. Um, The first one... Because Jesus has prepared a place. We can trust Jesus because he has secured future life with God. Have a look with me at verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. 
If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus here is speaking of his father's house. And he says, look, there are many rooms. Now, we don't want to get too carried away with the metaphor, okay? So we're not meant to think of heaven and the new creation as this one giant hotel. You know, yeah, you arrive, welcome, welcome, head to the lifts, your floor, 4,082, go along. But don't lose, so don't get carried away with the metaphor, but don't lose the metaphor. It is a house, a home, that, that evokes a sense of stability and security, a, a family home, a, one of relationship. Because it is the Father's house. And so what Jesus is saying is, look, I prepared a place for you with my Father in his home. Not just with the Father, but actually if you just flick on to verse 3 as well, you can see that, uh, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That you, um, that where I am, you may also be. Jesus is saying that this future life that I prepared is a place of relationship with God the Father and with me. I am there. And Jesus has prepared this life. Life with the Father, life with Jesus for all eternity. And there is place there for every single one of Jesus' followers, which he has prepared for them. Look, at, and it's not that when Jesus left his disciples, he went to do a bit of heavenly homekeeping, you know, kind of let me go and make the beds and put your name on the door frame. It was Jesus' going that prepared this place. You know, that going that Peter seemed so desperate to stop. Well, that is how Jesus prepared place for his followers. Because his leaving is going to be via the cross. Okay, the very next day, it wasn't Peter who was going to lay his life down. It was Jesus. He was going to lay his life down. So the, the, all those times that his followers failed to be faithful to him, all of those times that his, his followers let him down, so that those things would all be scrubbed from the record as Jesus took those things upon himself and paid for them, that they may be forgiven. That is how Jesus has prepared this place for his followers. So we can trust Jesus because he's prepared this place, this wonderful future. Secondly, we can trust Jesus because he's actually going to take his followers to that place. You see, if Jesus had prepared this place, then there is no way in which those, the people won't get to the places that he's prepared. So indeed, verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that you, that's where I am, you may be also. It's tricky to know for sure what Jesus meant when he said that. I think that the kind of reading some commentaries, the most common understanding is Jesus talking about his return at the end of time when Jesus comes back and then brings all of his, um, his disciples to heaven and the new creation. It could, could well be that. But, and I wouldn't go to the stake for this, but I think he, he means what he says, kind of more literally, that by his spirits, 
Jesus was going to come with his disciples when it was their time to die and to bring them to himself. And not just those followers, but every single Christian. He will bring them to himself. And what comfort this is for when we lose loved ones who are Christians. That Jesus, by his spirit, brings them to himself. Now, quite how Jesus does this, we could argue about, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. But the point is that he does. Okay? The point is that Jesus says, I've prepared this place, and I'm going to come and get you and bring you there. Jesus is going first, and then he's going to come back for you. We can trust Jesus because he is going to take his followers to that place, to that life that he has prepared Thomas, ever the slightly confused and literal one, asked a question in verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? We don't know where you're going, Jesus. We don't know what this place is, so how on earth can we actually get there? Jesus patiently explains, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we can trust Jesus because He is the way. He's the only way. Jesus says, Jesus says to, to Thomas, look, look, you do know where I'm going. I am going to the Father, to this, this place that is prepared. And I am the way to that place. I am the way. And I think the emphasis is on um, that saying because it's Jesus answering his question. And the, the fact that Jesus, the truth and the life, is explaining why he is the way. He is the way to the Father, the way to life, because he is the truth. God's revelation of himself, ultimate truth. He is life, the source of all life, both physical and indeed spiritual as um, we'll see this Wednesday, which is the reason I've not preached on it, in John 11, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the life, he is the truth of life, and therefore he is the way to the Father. The way to relationship with God the Father is through Jesus. And this is, again, why we can trust in him. But, but please do note this, it's not Jesus saying, I, I'll show you the way. He doesn't say, I will show you the way. He says, I am the way. I had a, a very helpful um, illustration of this. That it's the difference between being given a map and being given a lift. Okay, if you're out on a, on a journey and someone gives you a map, well, you've got to walk the rest of the way. You've ultimately got to get there yourself. You say, here's the way, now now go and do it. Whereas a lift, someone picks you up and takes you there. All you've got to do is trust the driver that he will get you there. And so Jesus is saying here, look, I'm not just a signpost to the way, I am the way. I am the lift. All you need to do is trust me that I will get you there. Jesus wants to be really clear though, doesn't he? I am the way, the truth, and the life. So no one's confused. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. I think that's one of the most controversial things you could probably say in our culture today. Jesus is the only way to life. But actually, I, uh, and you might have kind of heard this, this illustration, it's banded around an awful lot, isn't it? It's kind of, um, there's one mountain and there are different paths that are all leading up to the top of the same mountain. But actually, I don't, we don't have to think too hard to see the, the problems in this. Because actually, it's not just the ways of world religions that differ. Actually, it's the destinations that differ. We have seen today that Jesus promises life with the Father and Jesus for all eternity. That's not what other world religions um, point to. Their destinations are very different. Nirvana or reincarnation or um, paradise with virgins or or whatever it might be. The the, the destination's different. And indeed, the ways are different. Jesus says, it's not a map. You go and do this and you'll get there. Jesus says, no, I'm the way. I will take you there. Trust me. Trust me. And it's not an intolerant thing to say to people. Actually, it's a loving thing to say people, to people. That Jesus says that he's the only way, truth, and the life. Come to him. Trust him. Troubled hearts. It happens to, to all of us. There are things that happen that shake our hearts, shake our worlds. What do we do in those times? Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. And we can trust Jesus because he has prepared a place uh, in his father's house. He has promised life. And he's prepared it. He's done everything necessary in order for us to be there. So much so that he promises his followers that he will come and bring them to be with him. And he is the way. He is the one who gets us there. Therefore, he is indeed worthy of our trust. Let's pray as we finish. Father, thank you for this wonderful future that Jesus shows, that Jesus promises. Thank you that we can look forward to, no no matter what's going on in our lives, or no matter what's going on in our worlds, but we can look forward to eternity with you in your house. Thank you that Jesus has done and will do everything necessary for his followers to be there too. Please would we heed this call and trust him in everything, in all situations. In Jesus' name, amen.